Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am your host, Anthony Livingston Hall. Happy New Year. And yes, alas, I say that with tongue planted firmly in cheek. Given all we experienced in 2020, surely we would have been forgiven the hope that ringing in this new year would provide much-needed space and time to exhale. Instead, within the first week, we had daily COVID cases and deaths reaching levels never imagined last year. Governments were reimposing lockdown measures as daily facts of life, not just in America and Europe, but even in Asia. President Trump was caught on tape shaking down a state election official in ways that made his infamous shakedown of the president of Ukraine, which got him impeached, seem genteel. And then came January 6, 2021, a day which will live in even greater infamy than December 7, 1941. I suspect that, not since the terrorist attacks of 9-11, have so many Americans watched in shock and horror as a seismic event in their lives unfolded on TV. Which means that you probably know all the facts surrounding Trump inciting his MAGA followers to assault, vandalize, desecrate, and loot the Capitol building which caused scores of injuries and five deaths, including that of one Capitol Police officer. Therefore, I shall proceed with that in mind. Ironically, I may have unwittingly tempted this fate in a commentary I published on January 3, because in it I gloated that it is a testament to America's enduring greatness, that it survived four years of this president-cum-dictator wannabe, trying his damnedest to destroy every one of its foundational institutions. Indeed, I even joked that all that was left was for Trump to booby-trap the White House and mine its gardens as he leaves for the last time on January 20. Still, you had to be deaf, dumb and blind, or the head of the Capitol Police, to have no clue there would be riots in the streets on January 6. I just never thought the alphabet soup of 32 law enforcement agencies who support the Capitol Police would allow a ragtag band of neo-confederates to storm the so-called citadel of democracy and ransack the friggin' place. After all, during the BLM protests last summer, these same law enforcement agencies not only manned these same streets like Nazi stormtroopers, but also treated those peaceful protesters as if they were the ones perpetrating the kind of American carnage Trump incited on Wednesday. Uh, but now comes the fallout. Of course, most notable is Washington being all a Twitter about another impeachment and the 25th Amendment. 
As this insurrection was still unfolding, I published a commentary calling for the latter. But, despite all the clear signs of Trump's mental derangement, and the clear and present danger that poses, I fear Vice President Mike Pence's loyalty and cowardice remain such that he will not rise to the occasion. On the other hand, Democrats seem hell-bent on impeaching Trump again, and Republicans seem hell-bent on decrying the insurrection he incited. But, despite this day of infamy, you will probably still be able to count on the fingers of one hand the number of them who would be willing to defy Trump by voting with Democrats to impeach him. What's more, I doubt even the disaffected Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell could make enough parliamentary maneuvers and marshal enough votes to convict Trump, even for inciting this insurrection. This compels me to share that the National Convention Republicans held last summer seemed designed more to hail Trump as dictator for life than to nominate him as president for a second term. As it happened, though, I knew from the summer of 2016, when Republicans elected him as their presidential nominee, that he would eventually destroy their party. All the same, as referenced earlier, nothing demonstrated the need to form a new loyal opposition party in America, quite like Trump being caught on tape, sounding more like the boss of a kleptocratic mafia family than the leader of a democratic political party. Frankly, you would have been hard-pressed to distinguish the conscripted hosannas to this dear leader from those we laugh at when we see North Koreans performing them with mass hysteria stemming from what could only be a genocidal form of Stockholm Syndrome, watching Republicans ape North Koreans in this pathetic but all-too-foreboding fashion compelled me to call on never-Trumpers to form a new political party in an August 25, 2020 commentary which I titled RNC's Parade of Dishonesty. But I digress. The point is that Democrats will have to settle for impeaching Trump merely for the congressional record, which at least will seal his place as not only the most corrupt and incompetent, but also the most reckless and dangerous president in U.S. history. Because all of the talk about censoring him to appease Republicans is tantamount to giving a batter a probation to appease his battered spouse. Mind you, the clear and convincing evidence of Trump's high crimes and misdemeanors has been such that I've been arguing for over two years for him to ape Richard Nixon and resign. I refer you to such commentaries as Trump Framing FBI Appeasing Russia Treasonous on February 1, 2018 and Trump and the Poisoned Chalice of the Pardon Power on August 22, 2018. In the latter, I advised him to negotiate a plea deal that would see him resign in exchange for the suspension of all state and federal investigations into his presidential campaign 
business organization, and charitable foundation, and one that would see him forego pardons in exchange for suspended sentences and commensurate fines for anyone, most notably his children, implicated in any crime those investigations have already uncovered. But that was over two years ago, so he clearly has far less bargaining power today. After all, the symmetry is such that, when Nixon resigned in August of 1974, he still had more than two years left in his term, whereas this cornered SOB now has less than two weeks left. Still, Trump would do better to bargain than be impeached, not to mention the legal fate that would then await, which ironically would rest primarily with two black women, namely New York State Attorney General Letitia James and Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, and both of whom I suspect are salivating at the prospect of indicting Trump on state charges that lie beyond his presidential pardon powers. But surely the most vexing fallout is the FBI having to launch a nationwide effort to identify, arrest and prosecute all those involved in this insurrection. I mean, how did they all get away in the first place? Regular readers know that my blog is littered with commentaries decrying the sins of social media, but I never fail to acknowledge the few socially redeeming values. Most notably, networks like Twitter and Facebook are terrific PSA and investigative tools, and most of the MAGA heads who vandalized and desecrated the Capitol will find that their social media pages will now prove every bit as incriminating as they were once boastful. In any event, if you thought Trump was going to lead that mob to the Capitol like he said, then you are probably stupid enough to have been there buying his lie, hook, line and sinker. I titled my January 6 commentary previewing this mob rally, Aping Notorious Cult Leader Jim Jones, Trump invites his MAGA followers to one last rally. In it, I noted that there are two glaring differences between Jones and Trump. One is that Jones treated his followers with genuine love, whereas Trump treats his with cynical contempt. And two is that Jones felt obliged to sacrifice himself along with his followers, much like a captain deciding to go down with his ship, whereas Trump has continually sacrificed the lives of his followers just to feed his own ego, and would be the first to abandon ship to save his own hide. Apropos of the latter, perhaps you've seen the two certifiably schizophrenic videos which Trump published within 24 hours after this insurrection. The first features him hailing the mob that stormed the Capitol in his name as patriots and very special people whom he loves. But then, just hours later, after the Wall Street Journal compounded talk of impeachment and the 25th Amendment with its own call for his resignation, the second features him doing what he does, 
when anyone poses any liability to him. He duly threw his patriots under the bus, claiming he was, and I quote, outraged by the mayhem and lawlessness of these intruders and infiltrators who defiled the seat of American democracy. End quote. Hell, if you didn't know better, you would have thought he was referring to a bunch of new Black Panther goons who had scaled the fence surrounding the White House, forcing him into that famous bunker while they ransacked the Oval Office. Which brings me, at long last, to those resigning in droves from the Trump administration. But I won't dignify the rats jumping his sinking ship at this point by naming any of them. I mean, what kind of moral compass would lead you to think it's okay for Trump to shake down an election official to help him steal a democratic presidential election on Saturday, but not okay for him to incite a mob to storm a federal office building on Wednesday? Oh, right. The kind of moral compass that would lead you to choose a notorious narcissist and conman as your North Star to begin with. Really, don't get me started on these death row conversions. After all, Trump's presidency is littered with defiant acts of moral turpitude and infernal sedition. Yet none of those acts moved to any of these rats to jump a ship. But who would have thought that Rex Tillerson would turn out to be Trump's most principled cabinet secretary? Remember Rex? On the other hand, my heart grieves that Ben Carson, the token black, is turning out to be his most slavish cabinet secretary still serving his master like a loyal dog till the very end. The morning after Trump was elected, I published a commentary titled What the F? President-elect Donald J. Trump? America, what have you done? I expressed shock and dismay because by then, I had been warning on my blog for years that he was a Barnum-esque shyster who would turn America into a banana republic and an international laughingstock. Sure enough, as indicated earlier, he could have claimed mission accomplished after just one year in office. But surely the insurrection he incited on Wednesday left no doubt. Finally, I've said it many times, and it bears repeating. It reflects poorly on how Trump's children were raised, and suggests they cannot have much genuine love for him, that instead of staging interventions to prevent his high crimes and misdemeanors, they invariably enable them. But we should probably thank our lucky stars that the people storming the Capitol on Wednesday were not those of us who voted against Trump in 2016. Because Trump and his family have shown such dictatorial pretensions over the past four years, they could easily have compelled us to do so, 
to reclaim our democratic republic from the dictator wannabe, Donald J. Trump. Uh, that's it. And if you liked it, please subscribe. It's free. If you'd like to contact me, I invite you to email anthonyhall279 at gmail.com or use the contact feature on my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.